So today I felt led uh, by God just to speak on the gospel. And it is really why we're here. If it wasn't for the gospel, there's no reason for us to join. There's no need for us to be together. It'd be just a social club. But because of the gospel message of Jesus Christ, the good news that Jesus was sent, God's only son, sent to die for our sins and rise again, that we can have this salvation with God. We can have this relationship with God. And so there's some words I just want to kind of cover today. There's three words that I want to kind of share about maybe the purpose and the reason or the mission or the, to give you kind of some confidence going in the fact of why, why we do share, why we need to share the gospel, why it should motivate us to share the good news about Jesus Christ wherever we are, not just in our church, not just uh, during our different events that we have, but out there in the world because we want to see people come to Christ because the gospel can change lives. It's the power of the gospel that changes and makes a difference in someone's life. So as we go, I want to look at the word forgiveness. And just to let you know, we're going to look at uh, the book of Romans and the book of Galatians uh, and also Ephesians. And we're going to look at those three books. And we'll primarily look at Romans and and Ephesians. But there'll be one time we'll go to the book of Galatians. And as I want to share that, uh, in our events page or section in the Bible app, if you go under events, Uh, I know it was probably on the screen already, but if you go to that, I put a lot of resources in there. Uh, One is that there's a website called Christian uh, Ministry Tools, and it talks about using the gospel or the, uh, you know, John 3.16 and sharing the gospel message using John 3.16, and it kind of trains you and helps you to have some confidence in that. There's also a study that's called The Gospel by J.D. Greer that's kind of different than what I'm sharing today a little bit. I mean, it's the gospel, so it's the same, but it's a different approach. Uh, that's an eight-day eight devotional if you'd like to check that out. But there's other resources there. There's actually also uh, a book uh, that Pastor Mark wrote. It's a book about Ephesians. And if you'd like to check that out, that's available on Amazon. Um, but today, going back to this type uh, idea of forgiveness... Forgiveness is such an important thing for us to keep in mind that we are been forgiven and that we have this pile of sin and debt that's been piled up over time that we've collected and we need forgiveness. That I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, and before we came to be, know Christ, we've allowed a lot of debt to build up in our life and there's been this separation between us and God. And as I like to think about it with Adam and Eve, God never changed in the story with Adam and Eve. It was that man and the woman changed by their sin. In other words, they weren't the ones that needed to be afraid. I mean, they were afraid of God, not because God had changed or done something different, but they understood what they did. They understood that they sinned against God and they disobeyed. And they, they were coming back to God with fear because of what they had done. And so many of us have been there, right? We've dealt with that thing, that issue of sin in our life, and we've had these things pile up in our hearts, and we haven't really dealt with that. And so it's great to know that God, in his love for you and me, that was willing to come and forgive us of our sins so that we could be set free, that this debt that we owe doesn't have to be paid for, that we can find forgiveness uh, through Christ. So the first scripture I want to share is Romans chapter 4, verse 6 and 8. And it says this, it says, David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness 
of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. So here's an important thing to keep in mind is that thankfully we don't have to worry about all the good things that we have to do. It's more about the righteousness of God that he's provided through his son, Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus is that perfect lamb, that perfect sacrifice to take on our debt, to pay all of our debt and so that we can find forgiveness. And while I want to share this, and we're going to continue on in this, this chapter here, but it's, I, I think it's powerful that David in the Old Testament, even before Jesus was born, knew that it was only God himself that could provide a way for forgiveness of sin. That God was the one that was going to have to make a way for all of us. That only God could forgive sin. And so in verse 7 it says, Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered, Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Praise God that I don't have to worry about standing before God at some point and being judged for all the things I've done wrong. That God looks at me and he sees his son and he sees the payment that was paid that I could not pay. And this should embolden us as Christians to share the good news, the gospel. This should be a motivator for us to share about Jesus because all of our debt has been taken away. And this is something we should keep in mind. The reason why we want to tell people about the good news about Jesus Christ is because we have been forgiven. We have experienced this power of God to forgive sin, that our sins can be forgiven. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, it says this, In him we have the redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. There's so much to unpack here. It talks about God's grace, that God has mercy. As Pastor Mark mentioned a few weeks ago, or maybe it was last week, that God's grace continues on and on and on and on. It never stops. It just continues. God's grace is full of riches. I mean, his amazing grace. And it's through the redemption that I'm redeemed, that you're redeemed that you don't have to stand and hold account for everything you've done. And this is what separates us from the rest of the world. It's not that we are perfect. It's not that we are righteous or do good things ourselves because the world does good things. There's a lot of things that the world does that are good. But we stand here today because we have been forgiven of our sins because we have a God who forgave us of the things that we've done wrong. It's not by my good deeds that I'm saved. It's by God's grace that I'm saved. And his love for me. And this should motivate us to share the good news. See, it's, the world is not broken because of what they do good or what they do bad as much as this, that they need to recognize that God is the only one that can save them. That they need to call upon Jesus Christ and invite him to be Lord of their life. And that it's God that only can save and rescue us from our sin. Like every single person in this world, if I stand up against the Ten Commandments, I'm condemned because I've broken every one of them. You have too. But we can stand before God because we've called out to him and we say, God, forgive me of my sin. And I'm forgiven. He's washed it away. 
And I don't have to worry about this past things I've done. And this is why it's important. Going back to David in Psalm 51, we see that even when we are a strong person and we're doing good things for God and we have faith and we believe that there's times where we can stumble and we can fall away. But thanks be to God that God provides a way out that we can call upon his name once again and say, God, forgive me again for the things I've done wrong in my life. In Psalm 51, we see this redemptive story that David cries out to God and he asks God to create a new heart in him and to wash him clean of his sin. And so one of the stories I want to share with you today is a little short story that is called The Capital of the World. Ernest Hemingway tells the story of a Spanish father and a teenage son. The relationship between his this father and the son became strained and eventually shattered. When the rebellious son, whose name was Paco, a common Spanish name, ran away from home, his father began a long and arduous search to find him. As a last resort, um, the exhausted father placed an ad in the newspaper, hoping that his son would see the ad and respond to it. The ad read this, Dear Paco, please uh, meet me in front of the newspaper office at noon. All is forgiven. Love, Father. As Hemingway tells the story, the next day at noon in front of the newspaper office, there were over 800 Pacos, (laughs) all seeking forgiveness from their father. See, the truth of the matter is, that's a true story for each one of us. We all want to be forgiven. We all want to be saved. We all want to just get rid of the past mistakes we made, the things we've done wrong in our life, and we want to be able to escape that somehow. And there's no real way to do that except through Jesus Christ. And part of our motivating factor for sharing the gospel is to remind ourselves of the grace that we found in knowing Jesus. It's of knowing that we've been saved and we've been spared and that we have this salvation, that we are forgiven, that should empower us. This should give us strength and courage to share the good news and letting somebody else know, I have found forgiveness and I want you to find forgiveness too. I want you to be able to be free from the baggages of sin. And it leads into the next word. The next word is freedom. See, forgiveness comes and we have forgiveness, but with that comes freedom. And it's, it's just a joy and a knowledge of knowing that you're once again free from the bondages of sin and slavery that you've experienced through your years of time. And this is important for us that sometimes for us that have been Christians for a long time, we can look back and maybe lose sight of the value that we had or the need that we had. We should never lose sight of the fact that we needed to desperately call upon God and seek his freedom because we can be in bondage. And some of us as Christians still live in bondage. But let me tell you, Jesus came to set you free. You don't have to continue to sin. And, and I believe what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that God makes a way of escape. There's no temptation that's common to man that God does not provide a way of escape for you and I. God provides a way out each time we face a sin or face the temptation not to sin. God provides a way to say no. And so looking in Romans chapter 6, verse 17, it says this. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your your heart the pattern of the teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. 
You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Verse 19, I am using an example for everyday life because of your human limitations. Again, see, it's nothing that we can do ourselves. It's all God. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurities and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. And see, I can't really obtain righteousness as just doing things the right way. It's living a, a life that is upright and doing, making good choices and good decisions with your life. I can't really obtain that righteousness on my own. I have to uh, ask God for that to give me strength. First of all, his righteousness comes into my life and I am right because of him. And then I try to stay that way because of him. It's not really me. It's more about him working in my life and allowing him to have his will done in my life. I'm seeking his authority, his will. And it's interesting because Paul is saying this, you've been a slave your whole life to the sin and it's pulled you down and you haven't been able to really fully be free and yet here, here comes freedom through Christ and you've received this freedom but now choose to be a slave to righteousness. Choose to do the right thing is what it's saying. Paul is saying now we, we choose to follow because we're all created to worship and it's either worship the wrong thing or worship Christ and the right thing. We need to be worshiping the Lord and following in his footsteps. And so this freedom comes to us. In Ephesians chapter 3 verse 12 it says this, in him and through him, faith in him. In him and through him, faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Like I mentioned about Adam and Eve, they were kind of awkward, right? They were kind of like standoffish uh, to God. When they sinned, they kind of hid in the bushes and they were afraid to experience God. And so many times for us, when we have sinned and we have, have, have done things against God, we've lost that freedom. We've lost that sense of being able to know that we're saved and, and walking in that knowledge. And this is the reason, again, the reason why we should share the gospel is because we are free. Because we've found freedom in Christ. That we're not held back by the sins we used to do. We're not held to the slavery of the sin. And all of us, I'm sure, have experienced the slavery part of sin, that it traps us. It, it pulls us in and it weighs us down and it, pull, it drags us down to where we don't want to be. And yet we can find freedom in Jesus to be free of that. Galatians chapter 5, verse 7 through 9, it says this. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 7 through 9. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. In verse 10, I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you off into confusion, whoever that may be, will have the penalty of sin. Will pay the penalty of sin. Uh, will pay to pay the penalty. So, so here's the thing that, that, that I want to share with you is that no matter what happens in America, no matter how, what happens in the government, no matter how, what happens in our society, nothing should steal the freedom that we have in Christ. So many times, and I know I, I, I like to turn off the news too because I just get tired of it, right? And it just makes you sick. But nothing should steal the joy we have in knowing Christ. 
And you know, there's so many stories of POWs and people that live in other countries. And there's a great book called Jesus Freak of martyrs who have given their life to Christ that were in bondage or prison or all over the world, that they are serving Christ. And no matter what they face, they still claim to have freedom in Christ because there's a different type of freedom. There's a freedom that we concentrate on physically, but God is speaking about spiritually you're free. Spiritually, you have this freedom that no matter what the world does to you, no matter what Satan does to you, that you can find freedom in Christ. And so no matter what occurs in this world, no matter what we face, no matter if the America we love and and hope for for all the years faces turmoil, do you realize that the Christian church, Christianity grew so strong because the Romans were trying to wipe it out. And that's when true Christians, true believers rose up and took a stand for Jesus Christ because they saw the freedom, the value of the freedom spiritually more important than the physical. Because the government can take all your possessions, they can do all the things, they can tax you, which we love, right? <laughs> they can do all the things that you hate, but no one can take the freedom that you have when it comes to you and God. Your freedom is forever because you put your trust in Jesus Christ. And this is the hope. This is part of the mission. This is part of the, the why we should share this good news is because we have experienced freedom. Yeah, we still deal with the world. We still deal with the problems of the world. We still deal with the issues of the world. But I am free in Christ. And no matter what I face, no matter what goes wrong, no matter what happens to me, I will still know that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And I am free in him. So many times we look at the physical side of things. And this is not nothing new. This is what Jesus battled with so many times in Scripture is there were so many times that the people thought physically they wanted Jesus to be their king here. Now, they wanted the Roman occupation to be thrown off. They wanted to be free in in the physical way. They wanted Jesus to provide food for them, not spiritual food. They wanted free lunch. They wanted to have God, you know, Jesus to heal them all the time, to take care of all their sicknesses all the time. And God does care about those things. But God cares way more, way more about you and all the world spiritually more than your physical. You know why? Because when God said to Adam and Eve, you will die if you eat of the tree of, the good, of, the, of knowledge of good and evil, you will die. And we've been dying ever since. And you know what? We're going to die one day. But spiritually, you will have a new home and you will be free forevermore with no more bondage because there is a spiritual place for each one of us and the Bible tells us and teaches us we'll be given a new body that will be perfect the way he intended it to be. And this is what we live for. This is what we hope in. And with that hope that no matter what we face in this life, no matter what difficulties, no matter what tragedies, no matter what you've been given as a diagnosis, don't let your diagnosis, don't let the things that you face in this life be the, the trap that pulls your joy away because you found faith in Christ. Christ is the source of your strength. Because you're free spiritually. Not that we shouldn't be concerned at all about the physical, but we should be way more concerned about the spiritual than we are. A lot of times the spiritual side of us gets neglected and we become more concerned about our physical. The next thing I want to share 
Well, before I move on, well, well, I'll hold off that. Next word I want to share is family. I had a really hard time because I really wanted to, to, to stick with uh, a certain word, a, a fellowship. And as I was thinking about praying about it, it just didn't really fit. And it's interesting because here I am, a minister, and I, I kind of have this issue with the word family. Uh, when I think of God, like, do I really deserve to be a part of the family of God? It, got, it brings it back to the prodigal son story. You know, where the son saw himself as just being a servant. Lord, I just want to serve you. I just want to serve you. That's kind of where our hearts may be. And the prodigal son, he was coming back to his father and saying, I I just want to serve you, dad. I just want to be a servant. Just treat me as one of your servants because I still know that's where I want to be. I know there's goodness in that. But the father's like, no, you're my son. You'll always be my son. And this is the joy we have in knowing we have been adopted into the family of God. We are no longer orphans. We're no longer set apart. And this is the joy we can find. You know, there's so many people out there in the world. And this should motivate us. This should share. Because there's so many people that that question their identity. They question their sexuality. They question who they are. And they're so confused out there in the world. But you know what? They belong. They belong because they were created by God. God loves them. And God loves you and me. And this should motivate us because we are part of what God has created. It makes me think of a story of a, a young man who, who had a boat, and he built this boat. He bought the parts for the boat. He, he took time to paint the boat. He, he cared for this boat, and he set it on a lake, and he lost it, and it was just gone. And then one day, he finds it in this little pawn shop on a corner across or down from the street where he, he lived, and he saw it on display, and he didn't have enough money to buy it back, and he didn't have any proof that it was his to begin with. And so all summer long, he would do side jobs to to earn money enough to buy this boat. And so finally, he had enough money. He went in and bought it. He got it. And he looked at the boat and he said, now you're twice mine. For I made you. I created you. And then I also bought you back. Jesus did that for us. Because he wants us all. You know, what if the people that you feel like are your enemies would come to Christ? What if the people that you feel like you're at odds with would come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior? Because the gospel is powerful enough to change people's hearts. And so many times we can get caught up in the little details of things, but really the major issue we see in the world is not political views, it's not the issues at hand, it's the fact that we all need Jesus Christ. We all need a God. The government will never save a person. It'll never help everybody. It'll never be perfect, in other words. But we serve a God who is loving and caring and wants to save every single person in the world. That's why this gospel is worth sharing. Because people belong. It doesn't matter what race, what creed, what, what area, what region, and what, even what you believe at the moment. Because Christ has come to save us. Not only to save us, but to help us to have adoption. Romans 8, chapter 14 or sorry, Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God and are children of God, the Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit received brought about your adoption, the sonship or daughtership, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. In other words, we can call God Father. 
And we have this adoption that happens. And I don't know if you've ever been in a part of adoption, but adoption is not an easy process. If you try to adopt somebody, you have to sign papers. You have to go before a judge and say, you're willing to take on the responsibility of this child. I didn't have to do that with my kids, so I hope they're okay. But anyhow, <laughs> you know, we, you, when you adopt somebody, you have to go through a deeper, more stringent process and you have to pay fees and dues and all these things to inherit this person that you wanna have joined your family. God has done that for us. He's adopted us into his family. And we're a part of his family. We can call out to him, Father. Why is that so hard for us to, to, to take in? I think it's partly because we know where we've been. But this is the kind of God we serve. This is the kind of God that we, we, we worship. A God who wants to bring us in and say, you're mine now. You're my child now. You, you have been redeemed because you put my, your faith in my son and you've accepted him as Lord and Savior of your life. We can call him. And so this Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that he's talking about reveals this in us. It's like this, we get this uh, stamp of approval through the Holy Spirit that we are belonging to God. We're a part of his family now. And in verse 16, it says, the Spirit testify, himself testifies with our spirit that we are the chil- God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs and heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ if indeed we share in his suffering in, in order that we may also share in the, his glory. Isn't that amazing that I can be a part of the family of God, that you can be a part of it? We're not called servants. Jesus said that. You're not called servants. We are friends and family. We're connected. We're, we're together with Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12 through 13, it says this. Remember that at the time... You were, you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope, without God in the world. But now, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. See, before, I was standoffish with God. I knew that I was a sinner. I knew that I... I couldn't do anything to bring about me being close to God. I was over here. I, there's no way I can. I have these things I've done. God, you know. But because of what Christ did, he, he made a way for me to get close again. He is the door that he opened. He is the narrow gate. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And through Jesus Christ, I find redemption. I have been brought back near to God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord that he's done that for us. The last story I want to share, it's a powerful story, and I don't know if it's true or not, but it, it's, it touches my heartstrings. Uh, it makes me think ultimately about Jesus. A family was involved in a serious traffic accident. Mike, the youngest of the two brothers involved, was badly injured and needed a blood transfusion. Mike's big brother, Danny, who was only eight years old, had the same blood type as his younger brother. The dad sat down with Danny and carefully explained to him why this blood transfusion was needed and how wonderful it would be for his little brother. After some silence, Danny responded by saying, yes, daddy, I'll give my blood so Mike can get well. At the hospital, a pint of blood was drawn from Danny's veins. Only after the needle had been removed, Danny 
turned to his father and tears rolling down his cheeks and asked, Daddy, when do I die? The father suddenly realized with a shock that Danny had misunderstood his explanation of giving blood. Danny thought he was giving all of his blood to save the life of his brother. He thought that he would die after the transfusion was over, yet he still had agreed to help his little brother. But if you think about it, that is exactly what Jesus did for us. He did it giving his own life so that we could be adopted into the family of God so that we could be saved. He saw us as not servants. He saw us as friends. He saw us as brothers and sisters. He saw us as family. He was asked about his mother and father. And he said, these are my mother and father. This is my family. These are the ones that are with me. These are the ones that are my family. You've been adopted. And it's worth sharing. It's worth talking about to people. It's worth saying something to somebody that you've been adopted by God. You're a part of a greater family. There's so many people that are looking. They're hopeless. They don't know where to belong. And they find groups to, you know, everybody's trying to find a certain group to belong to. What we need to do is stop with the issues or stop with the little concerns because the real issue, the real heart of the matter is that we need to get back to belonging to God. That's where I belong. My allegiance isn't just to a football team. My allegiance isn't to, to this community or this area of the world. You know, me and Shelly, it's almost, it's like hard to ever picture moving out of this area because we love this area. But it's not even about that. It's not about where you live or where you come from. It's about I belong to Jesus. I'm a part of God's family. That's really where I belong. That's who I am. That's who you are. And it's who God calls the whole world to be. God doesn't want anybody to perish. As I think about there were some different times Jesus would look at certain places or he'd look over Jerusalem and he would weep because he was concerned about all those that needed to hear about this good news, about the gospel. So how do we, how do we get there? Well, first of all, I want to share, just share stories of God experiences that happen in your life. You know, this, I know we live in a world where you feel like I can't share as much as I'd like because uh, I've got certain regulations at work. I've got certain things that have happened that, that keep me from really sharing like I'd like to. But first, I think as far as work goes, have a good work ethic. Live, live out your faith. Live out your relationship with Jesus. Make sure you're not working for just your, your boss or your employer, that you're working for a higher calling, and that higher calling is to live out your faith in Christ. You're serving your boss, you're serving the people that you work with in a way that represents Jesus, and you're, you're serving Jesus, not serving those around you as much. You're living out your faith to demonstrate Christ. And through that demonstration that you show, it opens up doors for opportunity for conversations, maybe outside of work, maybe during work, maybe during a lunch break. There's been many times in my life, I remember working at McDonald's flipping burgers, and there'd be side conversations because people saw my faith. Not that I was a great person, but they just saw something different in me. And they would ask me times the questions, and it gave me an opportunity to share about the good news about Jesus Christ. When I worked at the, uh, home, uh, the, the sorry, the Gusky Shelter, where it was Children's Home Society, 
There was opportunities where kids would hear about me being a minister and ask me questions. And I had the privilege of actually baptizing one girl who was pregnant here at church and baptizing her because she accepted Christ. I believe that if you pray and you want to share something, God will give you the opportunities to share. And it'll be the right opportunities. It won't be forced. It'll be the right opportunities. But a lot of times what I did over the years, and I think you all probably know this as well, is just sharing what God has done for you. You don't have to be a biblical scholar. You don't have to know everything. You just share the eyewitness account of what you've seen Jesus do in your life. And you let somebody else know about that. Some other things that we kind of use as a church to help encourage us is I'm sure we've all heard about the Romans Road. Well, there have been some, I think it was the Gospel Project kind of put this together, but it's called the ABCs of the Gospel. And I want to share that with you today, just kind of be something to kind of give you today to equip you. And like I said, if you go to the Bible app, I've tried to give you some other resources to check out to continue this conversation, to continue to think about how you can share the Gospel and share about Jesus. But the first thing is to admit that you are a sinner. So A is to admit you are a sinner. And we're all sinful people. We've all made mistakes. We've all done things against God. I shouldn't say mistakes because mistakes seems like that that was an accident. Well, literally, we made things that were done selfishly. You know, it's like the old adage about sin. It's, it's I in the middle of it. It's the problem. It's the I. It's like, I want to do this. I want to do that. That's the center of our life. And so we don't do what God wants. We do what we want to do. And that's where we get into the problem, right? That's where the issue is at. Because oftentimes when we think about ourselves, we're hurting, hurting others around us because we do what we want. So here's some of the passages that go along with admitting that you're a sinner, admitting your state, admitting where you are. And it's Romans uh, 3.10, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So again, just remember the ABCs of the gospel. First thing is for somebody to admit their sin. Get that across. Not that you have to have these passages down, but just share it. This, this is found in, in Romans chapter 3. Uh, we need to admit our sin. Believe is the, the B part of that. Believe in Jesus who died and rose again for your sin or your sins. Uh, Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus, or in Christ Jesus our Lord. So again, one of the key components is to admit your sin, that's A, and then B is to believe in Jesus. So we have to have faith in Jesus Christ, that he died and rose again for our sins. And then lastly, C represents confess. Confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. We need to confess that. We need to, to say that, to, to speak that out. To, and in confession to me is also living it out. It's, it's saying, hey, I am acknowledging the fact that Jesus is my Lord now. He's my Savior now. He's the one who I want to live for. He represents me, and I want to I do the best I can to serve him. And so uh, Rome, uh, Romans 10, 9, it says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So as we close this message, 
first of all, I want to uh, give an invitation because maybe there's somebody here today that has never made that decision for Christ. Maybe you're at a place where you know there's something wrong and you know you, know you haven't had a perfect life and I will be the first one to tell you I haven't had a perfect life either. I'm still working on it and I will continue to work on it. But the first step in, in inviting Christ in your life is to understand where you are. It's admitting that you need Jesus. Admitting your sin. And then next, it's that belief. See, works, it's not about works. All the other religions of the world, all the other religions of the world, it's all about works. As a Christian, it's not about works. It can't be. Because we don't have the power to save ourselves. And it doesn't matter how good I've done in my life, there's still the bad. And the, bad, the good doesn't outweigh the bad. The bad's the bad, and it stays bad. But there's hope in Christ. Because he came for the clear purpose to save you. He loves you. And if it would have been just you, he would have still stretched out his arms and died on a cross to save his brother. He would have laid down his life for you to save you because that's how much love he has for you. And because of that great love, we can have this hope and this belief in him that we can be saved. And it's through confession with our mouth and with our heart that we acknowledge him as Lord and Savior of our life, that I need him to be my savior I need rescued and I'm going to acknowledge that through faith if you are willing to do that and want to do that Jesus will save you no matter where you are you don't have to be at a church you don't have to be some of my friends some of my great friends have have done it at a church camp on a bunk bed some of them have done it in in a car some have done it in different places you can God will meet you wherever you are it's about your heart and your intent, your desire for him. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you so much for everything you do. Lord, for us that are Christians, help us to be motivated. Help us to be inspired. Help us to be encouraged. Lord, there's so many people that we work with, that we're around, that we spend time with that don't know you. And that's a good thing. We need to be in the world. We need to be the salt and light of the world so that they can see you. And so I pray, Lord, you'd help us all to keep that in mind, that we, we are called to be around non-Christians so that we can minister to people, so we can help people. And Lord, you would often at times go to places where the people were, were broken or people that were the outcast because you care for each one of us, Lord. You don't care for just us that try to do the right thing. You, you care for those that do the wrong things all the time because you love each one of us and you see potential in us if we would just lay down our life for you because you laid down your life for us. If there's anybody here that doesn't know you, I pray that they would take this opportunity to just call out your name, that they would admit their sin and believe with all their heart that you are this loving God who sent his son to die for their sins and rose again that they would confess you as Lord and Savior of their life. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that us Christians would be motivated to share 
the good news today. Because somebody out there needs to hear it. And there's one person maybe that could be a, somebody that could change their world if they just hurt, needed, if they just had a chance to hear the good news. So just help us, Lord. Watch over and protect us and be with us now. In your wonderful, precious name, I pray, Jesus. Amen.